Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. It's a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like your bra during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Complete fucking waste of time. <laughs> and only on for half an hour. My name is Bibi Lynch. I'm Miranda Kane. And we are chatting with the hosts of a fabulous podcast called Sober Sex. Hi, this is Louisa, a DJ, and... Voice Remain, I am a wellness recovery and mental health coach and voice actor. And we have a podcast called Sober Sex. Sober Sex, check it out. Welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, recovery coach and therapist Rose Remain, an artist, songwriter, DJ and joyful upsetter Louisa, host of the fabulous Sober Sex podcast. Hello both. Hey. How are you? How's lockdown 89.3 treating you? <laughs> oh God, really? Okay. You first first of all, I just want to clear up, I'm not a therapist because <laughs> I think, I know I'm just a coach. Um, which not just the coach, but, but you know, extraordinary. Extra- I'm an extraordinary, I'm an extraordinary coach. Louisa is also my agent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been weird, you know, it's just ebbed and flowed. And I think, you know, last year we had it really, really strict at times where you could only go out for an hour and you had to have a little form and the police were checking it. And that felt incredibly as a Jewish person, very traumatic. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, something about yeah. my intergenerational trauma was definitely fucking loud <laughs> around that. But uh, yeah, no, I think we just got used to it. How did you two meet? So you seem from like totally different worlds. It's like coaching and music. How did you go low? Become friends. Uh, Rose and I met through uh, recovery, if you don't mind me so saying. I feel like we're quite open about it on our own podcast. (laughs) And I actually met Rose. I just moved to Paris. I moved here uh, in 2013. And I was trying to kind of find my way navigating the the rooms of 12-step recovery in France. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I met Rose and she was yelling at an old man. (laughs) She was telling him, like, can I swear? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, fuck you, Richard, you cunt. And I was like, who's that? I thought she was kidding, and she wasn't. (laughs) But since since these seven years have passed, we are both much wiser and better behaved in public. (laughs) But it was a very, (laughs) sort of, but it was a very, um, (laughs) it was a beautiful introduction. I was like, who's this friend? (laughs) Oh, my God. So tell us about your brilliant podcast, Sober Sex. Well, we had started kind of having conversations with with people, I mean, mostly women within our recovery circle that was about like without kind of pathologizing our sexual appetites as sex addiction that wanted to get into what sex in sobriety looked like and how it because i think in any kind of spirituality it can be very easy to kind of cut out sexuality as like a, as a whole <laughs> you know it's like no higher power can see this part of my desire <laughs> like you know and so um through these conversations we rose and i had been wanting to start a podcast about literally anything <laughs> for <Anybody>. a while <laughs> like, like, i started one about periods and then invited her on and then we were like <laughs> But you can only do it once a month. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Subject too small. <laughs> <laughs> and and so yeah, we kind of and since since starting it, it's been a lot of really amazing conversations with people who are kind of sober in the way that we're sober and also sober curious. Or we've kind of broadened the the um, definition of sober for our purposes to kind of talk about what sexuality and um, kind of desire or like uses of the erotic look like within. Um, a kind of authentic, spiritually conscious, creative mindset. And and it's a great opportunity, as I'm sure that you guys have realized, to talk to people about things that you're not supposed to talk about. So <laughs> we just want to ask strangers questions about the way they fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Write that down. That's the new tagline. (laughs) Asking strangers how they fuck. (laughs) I'm writing that down. (laughs) So there's quite a few myths about recovery. One of the things that um, a friend of mine went into recovery a few years ago and he just went, I'm cutting out everything. And it he was like he because he had a drug addiction at the at the time and then it was so it's like drugs and alcohol but then he went on to porn and then it went on to like his favorite kind of music and it just seemed like you you're doing too much man so like there seems to be this myth that if you're gonna cut out drugs and alcohol then you're totally abstinence from sex as well yeah a hundred percent and that's what really pissed me off because I was like <laughs> look isn't it enough <laughs> yeah I have to give up the fucking thing I love that literally keeps me going out at the weekends and getting laid do I have to also change everything and there is a real thing about something people and I always say this is like when you go into recovery it's not like I'm having a lifestyle change subtly it's like mm. everything does have to change but also your likes and dislikes don't change your makeup of who you are is so goddamn interesting and I don't know about you ladies but I've worked really hard to like not become interesting that sounds wanky but like also <laughs> to like cultivate a personality and you get sharp in the UK because you have to mm. and also like the addiction and the recovery journey you know we become very 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 different people in that process but I was so frustrated with I would have people come to me and say no I heard you can't date in the first year or you can't I really like this kind of sex I don't I feel awkward about expressing it or am I a terrible person? Should I make amends for, and me too, right? I was like, also like, should I make amends because I like a threesome or I'm bisexual or whatever? Like, do I need to make amends for that? And then this question, it was like, the questions were all goddamn wrong and they needed to get like spun on an axis, I felt. And so we really just wanted to demystify the fact that you can get sober, get into recovery, and you can still like anal sex, for example. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the bottom line. Not, not just the, but like you can like whatever. Like Lou was somebody that I had met who was for the first time kind of like expressing with integrity and kind of bringing spirituality into her sexual life and being really open about it, especially in your work, Lou. You kind of, collaborated this idea of sex magic and um do you want to talk about that i don't want to talk about it yeah no it's really funny whenever we say sex magic i think about the red hot chili peppers which is hilarious (laughs) 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 because secretly i love the red hot chili peppers anyway um yeah i mean i found that like when i had about i had just kind of turned a decade sober and around that time had kind of weirdly 
it felt like I was given permission to finally explore this part of my personality, which was really kinky because I had hooked up with another sober person who I really respected their like spiritual integrity. And this, I felt like I could finally access this part of myself that I'd always thought was like for other people, you know, that like that BDSM or that that kind of sex or that kind of exploration was always like, not for me because I'm like a good sober girl. (laughs) And it turns out that like, I found out that a higher power of my understanding really like loves this part of me and empowers this part of me. And it allowed me to kind of step into this really creative and fun and playful and authentic part um, in recovery, in presence, not as kind of a drug or a method of escape, but as like a deep rooting of um, like a true, a true part of myself. And granted, I felt like there definitely had been throughout um, sobriety and pre-sobriety, like desperately unhealthy sexual and romantic relationships. And that it took a lot of kind of, you know, spiritual digging, but also like fucking up, you know, like making poor decisions and even kind of abandoning myself along the way in order to kind of figure out what, what was true and what felt good and having my back meant, you know, and I don't think that that's unique to, to sober people. You know, I think we might have some more trauma (laughs) occasionally, but you were going to say? I love this about what the, the aim of the pod. So it focuses on conversations about what self-integrity, spirituality and personal um, evolution look like for different people as we learn to be and accept ourselves sexually and intimately. And I'd written, do we have to be sober to do that? No, certainly not. <laughs> I mean, um, sex is constantly kind of commercialized in a way that might not necessarily feel true or feel like, you know, I know for me personally, like, the the model of sex or the idea of sex that I was being sold wasn't necessarily one that I could resonate with or relate to. But prior to kind of doing the the legwork that society required me to in order to like stop doing cocaine <laughs> like a maniac, um, <laughs> that it it kind of took this level of um kind of digging to to uncover this like what I found to be true about myself sexually. And then, and then in these conversations that we had kind of prior to the podcast, it sounded like a lot of people were having a similar experience where what we were being sold wasn't necessarily true, you know? And like, it becomes very kind of uncertain. What am I addicted to? And like, if I feel good or if I'm kind of, if I'm kind of in obsession and compulsion and I feel powerless over it or it's unmanageable, like, is this addiction? Should I pathologize it? Do I have to stop everything cold turkey? Like all those questions can be really intense and scary. And yeah, I think that like in early recovery, it can be good to kind of take a step back from everything that we use to distract ourselves from feeling in order to learn how to have, you know, (laughs) emotional lives. (laughs) But at the same time, like what happens after that? Because that seems super unsustainable. So because both Rose and I have experience in recovery, it felt important to kind of bring those conversations into the open because no, especially because so many meetings are co-ed and so many people have a lot of trauma in this area who are in recovery. It can be very difficult to talk about them at group level in the rooms of 12 step, but you know, that's what podcasts are for. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say like, because uh, things in the, in the room of 12 step, as it were, like, do you think 12 step, the 12 steps are still not relevant, but is it something that should 
include this kind of thing? Like, should it evolve to include your authentic self and your authentic sexuality like this rather than um because like I said I think maybe it's just a myth that it, it just says that it's all abstain abstinence but yeah is there room for evolvement to include this kind of thinking do you think the 12 steps Absolutely. that we kind of know of feel catholic don't know is that what, is- mm. but again that might be a myth like I've not you know, I've, I've not had experience of it myself, but I'm, I can only talk about like the people that I know that have done it. And it's always felt a bit old fashioned and like a lot to overcome. Well, I think the great thing right now is that there are so many different modalities of recovery out there. Like you don't just have to go 12 step. Um, I don't want to diss 12 step because like essentially it saved my life. Right. And it's free. So, woo. <laughs> Um, it's a good option and it's also an excellent way of building community, but the 12 steps themselves without kind of saying too much and potentially blanketing other people's experience that they might want to have with that is, it's certainly not to, I think there's, it's people get the wrong end of the stick. It's not really meant to put the blanket over who you are. It's meant to take the blanket off so you can be who you are. I truly don't believe we'd be having a podcast about sober sex or I would be doing the job that I do or living the fucking fantabulous life, which can sometimes be a bit shitty as life is for everybody. <laughs> the realness. Yeah. yeah, the realness. <laughs> if I wasn't, if I hadn't done the 12 steps, but mm. it's a jumping off ground. It's not, it's not like the only thing we do, you know, yeah. like I had to do therapy and I have different modalities of therapy if I wanted to. And that is by no means that you have to do all that shit. They're just like anything else, like gratitude or coffee it's a tool right (laughs) it's a tool to get through the bloody day and you know there is a severity like I was saying you know nobody tends to show up being like I'm feeling a bit rough from drinking like you don't you know I have plenty of friends who still get wasted at the weekend or do drugs recreationally and don't seem to have a problem and carry on with their lives the only reason I ended up at 12 step is because like bodily mentally and physically I was I was going to speed up the end of my life like way too early. So Mm. I was doing things that I no longer felt comfortable with and I didn't know how to stop doing them. And everybody's level of discomfort and what that looks like, I think is different. So I think there is place for it. But again, it's not a one size fits all. Recovery is a journey for anybody to go on. And there are so many different facets of that. Can I ask a crass question, please? Go on, say yes. (laughs) Do it. So sex, right? That's disgusting. it. That's just a question. <laughs> We've been doing this for three years and she's I mean, still fucking clueless. <laughs> yes. What am it? I mean, it's bloody horrible. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. It's waste of fucking time. That aside, I thought it was really interesting, Louise, when you said that you're um, and you're and you're discovering, or not discovering, but you're you're um, looking at a kinkier side and blah blah blah. And then you actually said, and not as a kind of result of it wasn't as a um, a new addiction. You weren't transferring anything that you know you were maybe not having now to your sex life the sex that you're having now was that the sex you were having before have you found out something new about you in terms of what you like uh i mean i think it's it was not so much discovery although that can be a really um wonderful process like the beauty of of anything in terms of sexual appetites like kinky or vanilla or whatever is that it can be viewed as like a spider web you know, it's not it like one thing can lead to another can lead to another. And because it's a collab, generally often <laughs> collaborative experience mm-hmm. is that, you know, we, <laughs> we can if we enter this like 
kind of open-minded and generous, or as like Dan Savage says, good giving in game <laughs> that GGG, we can, you know, have a, we can learn way more about, um, kind of our erotic tastes. Right. And I mean, I guess for me, it wasn't so much a question of like discovering anything new, although I'd found kind of like, it felt like falling down a rabbit hole of like, Oh, there's this world that I suddenly have kind of permission to explore as like, that I can do, you like it, um, that that doesn't feel like it's like a, a foreign place for other people. That like I can kind of access and discover my own tastes and kind of feel out what feels exciting and inspiring, or what I'm like like not into, you know. And I think that because, um, and I again like to kind of to to backtrack into this conversation of like twelve step, like. 12 step, the purpose of 12 step is that if you have a behavior that you want to stop, here's a way to help, you know? And it, the beauty of it is like specificity of purpose. So for example, in like Alcoholics Anonymous, they say the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. You don't have to stop one, like in specific 12 step programs, they, they do specific things, right? So it's, it's helpful to know that like, if you're, if you want to stop one thing, you don't have to stop everything necessarily. Like, um, and so, however, I think a lot of times, much like you guys said, there's this very like Judeo-Christian Catholic pious notion of like, who, sh- who I will be, who I will turn into as a sober person and to kind of shake that off into a much more expand because the 12 steps said like literally nothing about that. <laughs> They're like, we'll restore you to sanity. And whatever that sanity looks like, it could be like kinky as fuck. Like they, yeah, they yeah. make no mention, you know? So this idea of like, oh fuck, like I thought that in order to have a relationship with what I call God, a higher power of my understanding, which is not like, you know, it's, it's non-religious for me that like, I thought I would kind of have to fit into, I would have to fit my desires into a box. And it turned out that like the spiritual exploration of this, of, of sexuality deepening looked like it was actually finding out that this higher power of my understanding loves this part of me, you know? And it, it, mm. what, why that feels true is because previously while I would have, and this is again, just my experience, while I would have kind of shrunken or tried to fit myself into a space that was acceptable or palatable to other people in order to kind of be liked or be desired, this suddenly gave me access to a space where I could kind of know that my, for me, I identify as a submissive. And even as a, a <laughs> like anarcho-feminist, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that like, um, suddenly I was aware that my submission was a gift and it was for me to give to, to people who I deemed worthy, you know, and, and it was so empowering and such a revolution that it felt very, very important to kind of, um, and like, and it's like kink is like veganism. Like if people, if people are kinky, they will like tell you tell about you. it. Like yeah. <laughs> immediately it's like CrossFit. Like, we're like, so guess what I do? But, um, <laughs> but it was, it felt very imperative to kind of share this revelation and, and in so doing found we found like ton of sober people. It was like, fuck, like, we're not supposed to have, like, we're not supposed to talk about it. (laughs) Like, fuck that. You know? So this is so fascinating because what, what, uh, on a, on the most basic level, a lot of people would say drink releases your inhibitions, drugs release your inhibitions. And actually it sounds like going through the process that you've, you, you found the liberty and you've, and you've dropped the inhibitions that that the booze or or drugs gave you. 
imposed on you. Do you know what I mean? For sure. And and perhaps Rose can also speak to this because like she, I'll I'll say that Rose has different sexual appetites than I do. But I think that we've both discovered like, especially deeper into sobriety. Like again, I was a decade sober when I kind of started this part of my exploration and took a lot of kind of wandering around in the dark, trying to figure out what the fuck was supposed to feel good, you know, or was supposed to feel true. Uh, sexually before I kind of stumbled into this uh, hidey hole. But um, I think one of the beautiful things about (laughs) my experience with drugs is that it allowed me, yes, to draw my inhibitions, but it also, you know, like, especially as a, as a cocaine addict, I felt very kind of like seeking numbness and intensity simultaneously all the time. (laughs) And, and that didn't stop when I got sober. Like that was still what I was looking for, you know, having kind of, um, a boundaried practice where the rules were very explicit um, allowed me to, or actually kind of forced me to be more accountable for my choices and my communication and consent. And, you know, it's, so it was, it was really helpful actually, but, um, I, and it's beautiful to kind of learn how other people in the conversation that we're having on sober sex to learn how other people are navigating that, you know, because again, like no one gets a handbook <laughs> and I'm going to write you one. Beautiful. <laughs> do it. We look forward to it, BB. We'll just do the rest of the Sober Sex podcast will just be an audiobook of the handbook. Just wait. Just wait. You don't have to ask. Rose can narrate. No, she's going to do it in crayon. I'm <laughs> doing it in fucking potato print. <laughs> Rose, what do you feel about this? So where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, it definitely did distill my inhibitions. And I definitely like found out I wasn't like the confident out there fucking just grab a bloke take him home or grab a girl take him home take him all fucking home which was often my thing and go home with everyone and have sex and like that definitely changed in recovery because I didn't quite have that savage attitude in my socializing um so it needed to change honestly it did need to change because I was I was getting into some really dodgy situations and um and that was one of the reasons I did get sober is because like I would wake up and be like, oh my God, I've got to get to work. Who the fuck is this again? And like I said last week, I wasn't going to do that again. Like <laughs> this is... I really, so sober really, sex sounds more authentic. Is that, yeah, is that just, fair? I'm really anti this word authentic at the moment. I can't help it because I just feel like we can get so into authenticism that we deny like, our being in the world. Do you know what I mean? That we can get, I'm being authentic. Fuck everybody else. But I think it certainly allowed me, I prefer the word like integrity with that because um, I really, I really craved to be in a relationship that felt communicative and um, loving and trusting and safe and not to be that safe is boring, but like that I could try all my kink shit out in a safe space so that there was like this consent that Lou talks about. I didn't have a label for it. I just was craving something that felt like I could explore this with somebody. They would listen. And um, I would also remember their name, Gold. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us about the kind of guests that you've had on? We've been trying to definitely get like a little bit more diverse cast of characters to to guest for us. Um, And if if anybody is listening and has what they feel is like a unique take on this, please hit us up. We'd love to talk to you. But um, because again, we kind of want to avoid just being like, 
white cis women talking to white cis women <laughs> about sex. But um, we've managed to have some really, really amazing conversations from both of our worlds. So we've had uh, amazing kind of artists and DJs and people from the music world, um, including like a, a highlight was uh, having Louis G. Burton, who has like the most incredible queer, kinky, fantastic party in London. Um, we had who else? We had a bunch of like kind of coaches and people from Rose's universe. And it's been really nice to kind of have a real spectrum of conversations about like, what does like integrity look like in this exploration? So not even about sex, because I think sex can be like such a small word for such a broad idea. But um, like what how do people get to a place that they are seeking this to begin with? And then what does it look like in a lived uh, exploration? Because I think, again, like there's so much like static notion of, especially within a relationship, for, for instance, people are like, okay, so you are over 30 and you're in a long-term relationship. You're not fucking. <laughs> One, that's not true, you know? And, but I think because again, like, I secretly hope it is true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it can be. It can certainly be true. That can definitely be a reality of experience. But I think, at least for me, something that I've been really focused on, at least in my in my own life, and then in asking other people about, because I love to pry this information out of them, is like, what (laughs) what does the evolution look like? You know, if it does, if it's not just like a spot to land on, it's not like throwing like pasta at the wall. And seeing if it sticks, if it's like, what does it look like as a kind of a, a way that we can evolve both personally and interpersonally, you know? And that's not to say like, <laughs> get weird. Like, I don't want to like fuck everybody all the time and I'm not available for that. But like, um, this idea of, you know, we're obsessed with like the love story, you know, like the kind of fairy tale of like boy meets girl happily ever after. So what does that, like that kind of Esther Perel model of like, what does happily ever after mean or look like? How do we do that? How do we keep it interesting and exciting? How do we keep evolving, you know, creatively with our own sexuality? It's like, it's such a like endlessly fascinating (laughs) conversation. Mm. And it's a, it's a real privilege. Who would be some dream, dream guests, Rose? (laughs) You two, you two, yeah. hell on. yeah! <laughs> Please, <laughs> I'm not going to pin you in a corner right now. But you, you Guess what? <laughs> this is how we Erica ask. <laughs> Erica Loss, I want Erica Loss on. So oh yeah. So, so it's not that they have to be in recovery or sober. You, it's just generally no. anyone. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Then <laughs> no problem. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> the best sex. The sex that I've had has been whilst I'm sober. So for me, I am constantly wondering to myself why I need that lubricant that is wine and alcohol to have sex. Because it's not to have sex. The wine and alcohol is to their wine and the alcohol is to their <laughs> for me to meet someone and to get the gumption it's up. where you are to yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. The, the lubricant that I need. But I know yeah. that, that I am tip. I've got fucking reviews, ladies. I've got reviews Read some for us that say how good I am when I'm fucking sober. Yes. <laughs> I must have them on my hard drive somewhere. I think I use them because I used to do a show about it. So I think I've used them as PowerPoint presentations. Just so screenshots. screenshots. That was amazing. If I could just Five do, stars. If I could just do um, a radio segue, 
Talking of reviews, mm. oh, I love yes. this review about your pod, ladies. A really refreshing, safe place for all things integrity, sex, purpose. Love this. Ooh, That's a gorgeous nice. review, isn't it? Very nice. That's well known. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that your mum, Louisa? <laughs> no, I was, I was actually afraid because I definitely left the first five-star review on our Apple. <laughs> I was like, is she going to read my review? That'll be awkward. <laughs> Louisa is so something else. Rose. I think it's such a shame that it's, it's just a podcast because you make sobriety look cool, ladies. Oh, <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Very cool. <laughs> if you can't stop drinking and doing drugs, have we got a club for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how is series two for you evolved in your podcast? Well, I think we've really changed. I, mean, I don't know if you found this. You started a podcast about sex. Like We don't have sex now. You started- <laughs> okay. Yeah. Honestly, one of the side effects of having a podcast about sex is it, it really fucks yes, up. Yes. 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 Thank you. I don't know if that's in correlation with COVID, but like... <laughs> Spending every waking no, no, minute with your relationship, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ours has been going so- on for three years. We've got no excuse. <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> Absolute drought. Nothing, nothing. Oh no, baby got a boobies played with at one point. Oh, I let, um, I let, uh, I let, um, I let someone I know ever go on the pups. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's been it. (laughs) Tell us how, um, (laughs) tell us how people can um, follow you on social, where they can find you, and how they can keep involved with what you're up to. I am at Rosie Remain R O S I E Remain R O M A I N. Um, on Insta and Facebook, Rose Remain. I don't know. Facebook's a hellhole. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're at Fuck Yeah Sober Sex on Instagram. And Louisa, what are yours? I am L O U I S A H H H Louisa on Instagram and L O U I S A H H H H four H's on Twitter because the first one was taken and <laughs> blue check marks verified. Also, we are um, at uh, Sober Sex Podcast on Twitter, <laughs> which follow us there. We'll try to be more quippy. <laughs> that is so hilarious. The um, the eight million H's. We're we're good sex, bad sex with about twenty eight fucking X's, aren't we on Twitter? Yes, it yes. the hell out of the me. first one was gone. It's exactly the same story. Oh, so. Shit. Um, thank you so so interesting so great to speak to you Um, we wish you well I'm going to say something Miranda actually loves it when I say this God bless (laughs) God bless you God God bless you you. (laughs) so Miranda Mm. weren't they great oh do you know what I, I always find it quite they were cool as well like they were really cool but I always think it's it's something to because it can be quite scary I think for a lot of people to think of sobriety and recovery and therapy that you're going to lose everything and it's like oh but this whole life that I have and it's gone and I think it's so great that two young women two young cool women like that can you know put it all together and make sense of it and do something that is um, you know, what, what was the word that they said? I want to say authentic, but that was such a bollock word. Integrity. 
that was so, yeah, that was full of integrity and full of stuff that is integral to just living life, like, you know, having sex and building relationships, but without that need to lubricate yourself with booze and drugs. Like, I thought, yeah, it was, it's really interesting. And also, like, the idea of having guests that aren't just sober and and having sex, which was what I, you know, sort of stereotype thought so it, would it would be. be. But it's like, no, you can learn a lot from people, you know, whatever background they, they're coming from. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. And I thought the the whole idea of, you, like we were talking about like inhibitions and we we, th- we usually think that drink and um, drugs make you lose your inhibitions, but actually in a way they, they kind of um, imprison you a little bit and they actually make you act in a way that maybe, you, you know, if you had got through that got through that journey and got through the sobriety and then got to the stage of knowing yourself that well no you wouldn't want to do that or indeed you might want to do it but it's about it just kind of feels like it liberates people my name is bb lynch i'm miranda kane <laughs> good sex bad sex was produced by juliet nichols for metro.co.uk and you can get in touch with us at twitter or on instagram twitter is good sex bad sex with a triple x twitter doesn't have any no instagram doesn't have any of that triple x nonsense it's just, <laughs> just the words you said that in such a catchy way i know i know <laughs> Been working on it. (laughs) Also, if you have a sexy question or a query, um, or you'd like to suggest your good self for our um, little podcast, the podcast. (laughs) That's the word. I've totally got lockdown brain. (laughs) Uh, Get in touch. Info at sexpod.co.uk. And we will see you next week. 